Active the hive. Launching neurohive sequence. Welcome, welcome to the Smarter Marketing Revolution, presented by Hidden Force Media, with your host Alex Vonderhaar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back to another episode. Today we are hopping into the secrets of success in B2B advertising. Now, we don't do a ton of B2B advertising anymore uh, simply because I don't like the juice or the squeeze of it as much as I like e-commerce and direct-to-consumer advertising. But I've been getting a ton of DMs from you guys on how, how do you do this, what's the most effective way, and what are the steps of do's and don'ts around this. So we're going to hop into that. But before we do, got to remind you of the fee. I don't try to sell you some nonsense that you don't need. We do have a course that we only run a few times a year, but I'm not going to try to sell you on that. All I ask is that if you found value out of today's show, share it with a friend, let them know about us. We grew this podcast entirely by word of mouth, and I'm excited for you guys to be here and to hop into this with you. So what is B2B advertising? Uh, You may hear it also called trade advertising or industrial advertising, uh, but most people just call it B2B because it sounds classier and a little bit easier to manage. Um, Essentially, you're buying for the company and not for yourself, and there's a lot of research that was done by McGraw-Hill on this. For print, McGraw-Hill tells us that the average salesman costs about $178 a letter, which comes down to about $6.35 a phone call. And while you can reach a prospect through advertising for pennies on the dollar now, we have to go with what's efficient. And seldomly can a sales call close itself. It's functioning purely as a way to kind of get the salesman in the door, and it acts as a way to pre-sell into a business. And oftentimes we run into issues, and this is why I don't like B2B advertising as much, is because most individuals and business owners want, they, they expect the ad to do all the selling for B2B and that's just simply not the case. There's too many complexities. People want to know who they're doing business with. I actually put a post out on my IG story today and this podcast is going live today. So if you're listening to it, make sure you go check it out where I talk about, you know, most time you don't even know me. You don't know my products. You don't know my customer base. So how is it that you expect me to listen to your sales pitch if we don't know any of this? But what I want to make sure is that what you promise is important to your customer. And a supplier of a computer software, you know, super proud of the size of their company, and they want to make sure that the advertising is just on point and the research that they found through their customers is just as important too. So we have to make something very specific, which is a promise. Our promise has to be super, super specific instead of generalities. Use percentages time lapses, dollars saved, right? You're going to be talking to some people that think like engineers. It's black and white. It's in or out. It's functioning or it's not functioning. So to do this and to make it work well, we have to have testimonials. And as long as they come from the experts at the uh, companies that you're working at, they're going to mean a lot. Same thing with demonstrations. We found that demonstrations through YouTube videos, through TikToks, through Instagram videos work extremely well. So when you're thinking about how do you advertise for a B2B business, is there a way for you to demonstrate your product in a way that's totally different and unique than what your customer is doing? Are they using just one still video of an iPhone shot on their product as they're demonstrating it? 
or is it a full production? And they've got lights, they've got the they've got the jingles and the wow factor that go along with it. Your demonstrations around the product don't have to be gimmicky, but they do have to capture their attention. And it has to be something worthy of them sharing and repeating back to whoever's making that ultimate decision. The news also works really well. And it appears that readers scan the advertisements and technical journals looking for new products. And to a big surprise of mine, another McGraw-Hill study found that advertising is twice as effective as an article in the same journal. So we have to be sure to proclaim our news loud and clear. We have to be evangelical about our great news with our clients because we are bringing something new and cool to them. We're bringing a new product. We're bringing something that's going to change their life. And we have to be able to proclaim that news loud and clearly. The other one is information. And if you've listened to some of our other podcasts, we talk about uh, a concept I got from one of my mentors, Andy Fursella, where we talk about E2I, entertain, educate, and impact. And educate, which is also information, is super useful to the consumer and their job. And it can be effective. And if the information that's provided involves your product, it's even better. So, for example, could you show the viewer of your video or the reader of your article or the listener of your podcast how to calculate the amount of money he or she could be saving by using your product? Now, some copywriters will assume that the viewer or the audience, let's say, will find the product as boring as they do. And they try to, uh, you know, over-exaggerate what it's going to do with uh, pictures of babies or beagles or, you know, Big, big booty women, right? And it's a big mistake. A buyer of a flexible pipe for offshore drilling rigs uh, is more interested in the pipe than anything else. So we have to be able to play it straight when we're talking about information around products. And then the last element that I want to make sure that we get home before we start digging into a few of the more minutial details is the layout. The layout of your visual should be super simple, avoiding the um, artsy fartsy or the super airy, uh, you know, kind of direction that you could go with the creative. You want it to be readable. You want it to have, you know, super clean design and headlines at the bottom of the page. If you make your ad look like an editorial page, you'll get more readers, but it's never going to actually convert the way you want it to. So there's actually a really good picture of this. I'll try to share it somehow. Um, might put it up on the website, might put it out on a social page. But there's one of the Rockettes for a Hercules ad where it's saying the longest line just got longer. And it's a bunch of women running across. And it says, Hercules now adds two new grades of its long line of Profax copy uh, polymers to it. And it's got this whole line of Rockettes. They're all dolled up, but it's super simple. It's super clean. It uses repeating elements to it, and it's just a great overall ad. has their phone number at the bottom, super clean. But here's the key is that the headline got the attention for a lot of people a lot more than the actual imagery did. Headlines get five times the readership of the body copy. And if your headline doesn't sell, you've wasted all your money and all your time with the advertising. Your headline should promise a benefit or deliver news or an offer of a service or tell the story in a significant way so you recognize a problem or you quote a satisfied customer with this. Now, body copy is seldomly read by more than like 10% of the readers of any publication or any ad or any social media post, 
but the 10% consists of your prospects, people interested enough in what you're selling to take the trouble to read about it, and then what you say to them determines the success of your advertisement. And when you advertise, let's say, bubblegum or underwear, there isn't much to say, but a computer or a generator calls for long copy, don't be afraid to write it. Long copy, more than 350 words, actually attracts more readers than short copy because it's perceived to be more important. Now, in business publications, you'll see a lot of like ads do cost-effective, uh, only a third more than black or white with color ads, but they attract twice as many readers. So if you're looking to save or to invest, definitely go with the color over the black and white. It's going to be better for you. Now, the last little tidbit around print-based copy for this is that captions work extremely well, and they should appear underneath all of your photographs. Twice as many people read the caption as they do the body. And you use your caption to sell. The best captions are many advertisements in themselves. Now, let's go to B2B television because this is one of the most underutilized areas that I think people are missing out on. It used to be massive. You don't see it anymore, which means there's a massive opportunity for us to get that land grab. Everybody wants to run to LinkedIn and to Facebook for these things, and I just don't think that's the place to be for this. When business-to-business advertisers are turning to television, the audiences for many sports and news programs are still there, right? It's very difficult, even with YouTube TV and a bunch of the other platforms, to watch some of these things live. So these principles that we're going to go over are roughly skipped out, but they are effective. With this, we want to look at news and demonstrations work particularly well. Even humor has its place in ads, and it's typically going to go over really well. But it is worth noting that humor for most commercials is always supported by a powerful end promise. So FedEx used to do one that says, when it absolutely has to be there overnight, right? That used to be one of their big promises, but they found ways to make it humorous in how they were presenting it through different TV commercials, Now, obviously, it's going to be hard for me to show you a TV commercial through a podcast episode. And I've seen a ton of them out there. You've seen a ton of them. But the main point is that we have to be looking at this from different perspectives to get there. So let's look at it from a commodity standpoint. How do you differentiate commodity products when you're doing B2B? Many industrial products are thought to be little more than commodities, And oftentimes, there really isn't a big difference between them. So how do you differentiate bolts, washers, machine tools, uh, any of that stuff away from your competition? There is no such thing as a commodity, though. All goods and services are differentiatable. And in an HBR article, Professor William H. Hall reported a study that eight industries from steel to beer The most successful companies were those that best differentiated their product or services. And according to Professor Hall, the most successful commodity products differentiated themselves in one of two ways, either by low cost or by having the best reputation for quality and service. Now, advertising can help you spread the news about any price advantage that you may have, and it can work wonders in creating a reputation for your quality or service. Just keep in mind that you actually have to back it up. And we don't want to fall into what we call the commodity trap, which is where everybody gets stuck in the middle because they haven't figured out a way to differentiate themselves yet. Now, how do we actually get people to inquire, right? We can do all the advertising we want. We can do all the fancy marketing techniques that we have. But if nobody ever picks up the phone or fills out a website form, 
Did it even actually matter? And if you listen to our previous episode, it does matter because we're keeping top of mind and keeping the fact that marketing is a game of memorization. Now, McGraw-Hill reports that nearly all inquiries come from people who have a specific need or application of your product or service in mind. And of those, a substantial percentage of them buy within six months of their inquiry. So always have a way to get in contact with them. Is it a phone number? Is it a Google voice number? Is it a text line? Is it a form on the website? Make sure it's fast and easy and as frictionless as possible. And in the United States, 7 out of 10 people who read trade journals or go online to blogs actually will end up inquiring about them if they're done correctly. So do you include a business reply card or a coupon requesting more information? Whatever combination you have to get them to incentivize around submitting information, the better. Now, where I see a lot of people make mistakes with this is that they'll put, they'll put a step of reward in here instead of reciprocity. In one of my seven, in my, uh, my free PDF that we have somewhere out there, I think it's on our website, hiddenfallsmedia.com, where we have our seven ways to utilize neuromarketing. We talk deeply in there about the idea of reward versus reciprocity on websites. And it's actually scientifically proven that if you give people the option to submit their information through a pop-up beforehand so they get rewarded with information after they give you name, email, phone number, or if you ask for it after you've provided a buttload of value at the end of the article, video, whatever it may be, you're going to get a better and more uh, ROI positive result by leaving it at the reciprocity side, which is after they've already consumed you. So... With that in mind, what are you doing to analyze your inquiries about where you're putting your call to actions and making sure that it's super specific around, hey, you get this after you've read this and if you find value from it. The last thing I wanted to cover with this episode wrapping up is how do you advertise to people at top-level management? And many business purchases require approval from a lot of the managers at that high of a level as well as maybe even a purchasing agent depending on which type of industry you're in. And a lot of times top managers aren't going to respond to or even understand the details that are important to what you had or what the buyer, what the end consumer of that product is actually going to need or want. They're only interested in the broad benefits and particularly with their cost savings. It sometimes pays to run a separate campaign for the ones that are specifically addressed to top management and then the other ones to the people who actually read the publication or part of that blog or listen to that podcast So that way you can address their needs and wants differently as well as their reservations. Guys, I hope this brought a ton of value for you. I know it was a super value-packed episode for all my B2B advertisers out there. So if you found value, make sure you share this with a friend. I know it's your little black book of secrets on how you're running profitable ads right now. But if you found value, I need you to go share the show with somebody so that way we can continue to grow this and we can continue to put out super killer information for you. I want to start getting into some direct mail and some more copywriting information. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot me a DM at alex.vonderhaar on Instagram, and we will take it from there. And until next time, as always, go make somebody smile today because it's amazing what type of impact it can have on their life. <music>